Hello and welcome to On the Horizon podcast coming at you from Dean Studios. We are an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. I'm your host, Ryan Casey, and today we're having a fireside chat about Israel with Ian McFadden. Thanks so much for joining me tonight, man. Oh, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been wanting to have you on this for like a long time. There's like a myriad of topics I'd love to talk <laughs> with you about at some point, from church strategy to everything else, but like, uh, you know, to just your outdoors like oh, love for it and like all it's the my pleasure to like. be here <laughs> so we'll get to all those in future podcasts so. perfect <laughs> but first of all tell our listen- listeners a little bit about yourself uh where are you from i'm originally from northern virginia but haven't lived there in a few decades uh grew up there also over in uh in england uh, in london uh, spent some college years in scotland some grad school in canada a little time in new england a little wow. time in the uh the south uh so yeah bounced around a bit that's awesome man what brought you to Baltimore? Came here because of my wife's job. My wife, Jill, uh, is the imminently more employable of the two <laughs> of us. So she, she got hired at a, a great church uh, in Towson, uh, Central Pres, and she was hired to do music uh, there. And, wow. and then she got her foot in the door and, and uh, eventually got me hired. <laughs> it's probably not very often that the pastor is the secondary hire. And like, like oh, we might as well, <laughs> well use in my case, that, that's just a pattern. It seems like every time she gets me my job. <laughs> that's awesome. That speaks really well to her. Then. <laughs> so what, and obviously, so you're a pastor now? for a I am a pastor now. Yeah, I worked there at Central as a Bible teacher for uh, five or so years. And uh, we're now three years into a little church plant, which is just kind of pastor lingo for starting a new church <laughs> right <laughs> um so yeah we're three years into a church in baltimore city called uh saint mo's or saint moses uh church and uh yeah it's been it's been fun a wild ride something yeah. i never would have expected uh to be doing at this stage in my life but it's been it's been great well that's awesome i've been to saint mo's highly recommend it an incredible yeah, you church. preached for me you did <laughs> a great job <laughs> well you know that was funny i wasn't supposed to preach i was supposed to like <laughs> conduct an interview and then the interviewee <laughs> dropped out and they're like oh do you mind just giving the message <laughs> well <laughs> i would have had you preach another time anyway uh, it was kind of like this same thing as me getting hired because Jill dropped, you know, because somebody right, else got right. foot in the door. <laughs> it's a pattern. <laughs> so you have a family. Tell us a little I bit do. about your family. I'm, I'm married, my wife Jill, and we have uh, three kids. Uh, Amazing. Six-year-old boy, four-year-old girl, one-year-old boy, and uh, yeah, they're so much fun. I was, uh, just before coming here, I was playing Beyblades with the six-year-old boy <laughs> and the one-year-old boy in my lap, and he would he would count the, like, the launch of the Beyblades, go, duh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they're a lot of fun that's awesome yeah that's so cool man i know like saint moses in the topic but tell us a little bit about about your church yeah so um it's it's named saint mose after this fourth century african uh saint uh a guy named moses I didn't yeah know that. okay yeah uh and i mean he's got this incredible story the story he's most known for he, he spent his early years uh, as sort of a highway robber was a man of, of unusual physical strength and then uh was sort of run into the wilderness by um by a homeowner he had robbed and he fell in with a bunch of christians there in the desert these desert fathers and was sort of they introduced him to jesus they discipled him up and he wow. became became a, a christian and a leader in the church and then later on in his life uh, as he was this leader in the church they called on him to come sit on a tribunal to kind of judge or discipline a, a, a younger Christian who had uh, messed up, and he didn't come. Mm-hmm. And so they sent somebody to get him, uh, so the story goes. And when he came, he came with this jug of sand or water on his shoulder with a crack in it, and it was spilling out the back. And they're like, what's this? And he's like, here I come 
with my sins spilling out behind me where I can't see them to judge someone else. Wow. It was sort of like a the classic mic drop moment. And wow. Everybody was like, okay, we we get it. We need to we need to be quick to forgive. Yeah. And so um, I just thought that's in in our cultural moment uh, hmm. when when Baltimore is so fraught with wounds, uh, it's a great flag to be flying Absolutely. over a city. Uh, um, grace and forgiveness. And uh, yeah, and I and I thought it's also meaningful um, for me as a as a as a white pastor, uh, just kind of to to be gesturing like we're we're not just taking our cues from the right uh, from guys who look like me in our own country. We're we're tapping into um, deep traditions that are global mm. and, and not always white. That's awesome, man. And what's your what's your church like feel like? What's the demographic? What yeah, the so comes? we were the building. Uh, we're in a hundred year old Baptist building. We're a block off of Greenmount, which is awesome. for those of you who aren't in Baltimore, it's uh, this sort of invisible socioeconomic ethnic divider in Baltimore. And we're five blocks from the Johns Hopkins Homewood campus. So we're in huh. this incredibly kind of international blended neighborhood where yeah. you've got mixing of deep affluence and, uh, and, and some and very obvious needs and highly educated people and less educated people and all different uh, colors and socioeconomic backgrounds. And we just thought, wow. what, a, what an amazing place to see what the gospel can do. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. That's really, it's been fun. Yeah. And you have uh, your brothers on staff with you. That's got to yeah. be fun. So <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. You know, we have very different uh, gift mixes. Uh, he's incredibly patient mm. uh, and and my brother Kenneth uh, works with me uh, as an associate pastor and, and with our other colleague, Sam. Uh, and so far, it's been a, a good team. And, that's awesome. Um, he's, he's, he's really helpful. Well, that is really cool, man. That's really exciting. Um, I did ask you to come here to talk about Israel. Yeah, I know we yeah, kinda, yeah. I, I could talk to you about St. Mo's all day long and have a million follow-up questions in my head right now <laughs> that I'm like fighting to keep in check. But, um, you know, for those of you who maybe know my story a little bit, I got the, the opportunity to go to Israel on sabbatical about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago now, and uh, really incredible, life-changing experience. But the story behind that is that when I decided I wanted to go to Israel, the person I had all these conversations with was you because you're someone I really trusted. I really know you have a lot of experience going to Israel, and I just felt you were a wealth of knowledge about how oh, to do that thanks. right. And also, like I think your stories about your time in Israel were motivating to me hmm. to want to go on my sabbatical. So, like even before, like that was just always in my my head is something I really well, wanted. My plan to do. was always that we would go together. But... I know, and I still <laughs> hey, one of these days we'll lead a trip. You'll be the serious actual leader, and I'll be in the back just messing around. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so how did you first? Like, when did you first go to Israel? I think. I was trying to work this out. I think my first time was in January of 2014. Wow. And it happened because I had a dear friend, uh, and I'll talk about him more later, uh, named Eric Scrotenborg, who'd been leading trips. Uh, I'd been going on trips there. Uh, he'd done 20-some trips. Uh, and and he was going to be leading a group. Trips. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and he was going to be leading a group, and he had this kind of role he calls a facilitator, which is mm -hmm. kind of like a number two, a sidekick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and... Um, and I, th I don't know what he saw in me, but uh, I think he I think it was the the kind of like the ability to travel, the, the uh, being used to kind of crossing international borders and carrying a backpack mm -hmm. and uh, right. kind of the, some of the hiking stuff that you and I have done. Yeah. At least on our brand of trips, there's a ton of that. And so I was bringing a little bit of know how there. And uh, if nothing else, I was kind of. Uh, a pack mule to carry water for people. <laughs> this guy yeah. could carry a lot of water. He'd be a great <laughs> right, <number two>. right. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and you you were intrigued by it because you had like what, what yeah. did you want to go? So, I was intrigued by it. For a lot of people, like they've they've always wanted to go right. to Israel. You like hear people, oh, I've always wanted to go to the Holy Land, and and to be honest, it wasn't that right. way for me. I 
I traveled a ton. I love traveling. Uh, by that, by the time I went to Israel, I'd been to you know five continents and a bunch of countries. Lived overseas a bunch, but it was never like top of my list because mm. it just it didn't seem like you know an adventurous, right. kind of mountainous place to go. But um, it was intriguing enough that when I was given the opportunity to go and started to get into it, I was like. Okay, I'll I'll jump at this. And once I was mm. there, man, I was hooked on, on so many different levels, from the kind of scriptural level, mm. the experiential level, and then just the kind of cultural level. And we could and we could talk about that later. But it was of course deeply uh, enchanting. Yeah. So get, let's get into it a little bit. Like, what what was your first experience like? Like, you know, like uh, you you started to say like just the things that captivated you. Were there any specific things that like you felt like were surprising to you that really caught your attention? Or? Yeah. I mean, part of it's, I think I. I had been to seminary and I really thought of myself as like a Bible person, somebody who right. loves the text, wants to pay attention to the text. And what, what does it say on this page? Mm. Uh, and I hadn't given enough thought, I think, to like, how does the land actually shape what right. happens on the page? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's that's true even for us today in a post-industrial uh, time. You think about like the JFX, the J- Jones Falls Parkway running right into the heart of Baltimore. And it's presumably it's there because it's following that water course because right. that was like the path of least resistance. And so we've got a highway there that defines so many other things right. in our city. <laughs> and it's like all of those light bulbs just started to come on when mm. I was in Israel. And I, to put it this way, like the the three cities, three little towns really where Jesus spent the bulk of his ministry yeah. are like they're these little villages and they're like within walking distance right. of each other. Yeah. And I think maybe I knew that, but when you're just kind of reading the Bible, we tend to think about, or at oh, least yeah. I think about Jesus as like this global figure is leading mm-hmm. this massive movement. And I don't think of him as this like totally parochial, just <laughs> walking from one town to the neighboring town. It's like, yeah. it's like here, like his whole life could have been spent more or less within the, 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 the borders of Towson. Right. And, yeah. And, and that, that makes a difference. Um, yeah. Did I tell you the story about the, uh, the Scottish guy who came to faith by looking at the maps. No, tell me about that. That so, sounds incredible. Yeah, there's a there's an acquaintance of mine, a pastor uh, named Matt Canless, who's he's got a video out called uh, Godspeed, and he was he was an American, but he was ministering in a rural rural Scotland, and was kind of sharing about Jesus with this uh, Scottish guy, and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. This guy was coming to Bible study, and eventually he's like do you have a map of where this happened? Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, sure. And they flip to those maps that are always in the back of our Bibles that we never look at. And he looked at the scale on that <laughs> map, like the little like inch yeah. thing. And he's like, oh, well, I get this. This is like my village here in <laughs> Scotland. And he's like, well, okay, I can believe now. And they're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Like you just came to faith by looking at him. He's like, well, yeah, because like if you live in a town this size and your whole life is spent within the circle of these three little towns, like you can't be one person here and another person there. Uh, you can't have like a stage persona oh, and be a different dude with your wife. Like every, you can't yeah. be somebody on Twitter. And he's like, you've got to be the real deal. Wow, that's, and, a, that's profound. And things like that come, yeah. come to light when you just see the geography of the land. So that's... Yeah, tip of the iceberg. Hopefully my co-pastor Mark Stevenson is listening to know that maps can lead people to Jesus because he teaches them on maps better than anybody I've been around. That's really awesome, man. You know, I, I will say the same thing about like um, having been there. 
I mean, honestly, I, I fancy myself a real student of the text and mm-hmm. like really, but I just in all honesty, I, how often like, and he arrived in Capernaum and then I just, and that, that didn't even on, register. Right? Like my mind, my brain kicked in when the action started. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but like never again, now that I've like stood in Capernaum and now that I've like understood, like it, it just frames it differently. It You're does. like experiencing totally it and like, and like you can see what he would have been seeing and it just changes forever the context of how you read that like specific story. Yeah. And it's just amazing how much that impacts you. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like it's information that you couldn't find out right. another way, but it impacts you differently. So two Sundays ago, I'm preaching from Mark 2 on right. there in Capernaum. Yes. It's that scene where Jesus heals the paralytic guy whose friends, mm. his four friends, lower him down through the roof. Right, right. And like if I had been reading in the commentaries or done Wikipedia and wanted to like find out the dimensions of this house, <laughs> right. I could have done it without yeah. ever going to Israel. Right. But I, I don't know that I would have. Right. And yet having been there and stood in the footings of these houses, like mm. I know that it's the size of this room where we're recording. The right. whole house is the size of this room wow. where we're recording. And so I wanted to create that mental picture for, yeah. for St. Mo's. And so I was wow. like mapping it out for them on the stage. And like imagine 60 of you crammed it. <laughs> and it just it makes you read the text differently. It comes absolutely. Alive. Yeah. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So you started to talk about this, but how would you say being in Israel impacted the way you read scripture? So you talked about how it came to life to you, but now when you read scripture, like, does it impact the way you read it now? Yeah, it, it totally does. I, I think um, you pointed to it earlier when you like geography matters. So I, I, yeah. I'm less likely to blitz past mm-hmm. uh, place names. And, um, you know, before you could always go and look at them on a map, but now it's I'm more likely to do it just because it's in my head. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. And I know what the topography is like there. Right. Uh, and so much so much of the way, at least the, the Old Testament works, is like with these word pictures. Yeah. And so many of them are tied into an agrarian life and to the, the geography yeah. of the land. And, man, I think of um, I think of like the all the passages about living water. Right. right? And so, man. First thing, I don't know. You went in June, right? Or yeah, I uh, yeah, June into July. So yeah. you get off the plane in Israel or anywhere in the baking Middle East, and you're like, "I need a drink." Yeah, like there's, there's no water anywhere. It's right. not like Lock Raven here and Green yeah. Tree. There's just you, you're struck by how dry it is, right. and so all of a sudden this thirstiness uh, takes on a, a new a new connotation, yeah. and you realize how meaningful it is for, for God to describe himself mm. as living water, like yeah. the thing we are, we're all craving. Yeah. So, Oh, that is so powerful. I wrote, I journaled a ton about water yeah. while I was there shepherding motifs. Like we actually spent right. some time in Jordan because our guide really felt that like Jordan's a little more less developed. So yep. you get a little bit more yep. picture of what the actual shepherding life exactly. looked like. Whereas Israel's a lot more advanced now and doesn't rely on some of the most traditional shepherding techniques or the agrarian techniques that they would have, Yeah, um, which is pretty fascinating. So it's like that whole region, though. And that, I, I mean, I'm picturing as you're talking about the heat and the needing a drink. Like there was so many times that I remember getting a photo of our group. Like we used to stop for like more than 15 minutes somewhere, and everybody just clustered under one little right, tree, right, just exactly. to be out of the sun for like so a the, second. Yeah. When God says, I'm, "I'm the shade at your yeah, right hand," you're like, "Okay." Yeah, I get that. In Towson summers, I don't really need shade. Right, but, right. Like, you want shade yeah. in the baking Middle Eastern sun. So yeah, that that shepherding motif, mm. like. Psalm 23, we all, if you've grown up in church, you know yeah. it. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And you, like, I picture Hartford County. Hartcom. Right, yeah, absolutely. You probably picture, like, absolutely. Lancaster County, your yeah. rolling pastures absolutely. of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Farmland everywhere. You're there, yeah. you're like, there is not a green pasture <laughs> anywhere. No, nowhere. And so what does it mean for God to be right. our shepherd and to right. lead us in green pastures? And, um, yeah, for me, one of the most fascinating, impactful motifs is this idea that my friend Eric teaches about a lot, like 
God's people are a desert people mm. and he shapes us through these wilderness periods. Yeah. And, and even Jesus, you know, first thing he's baptized, the, the, the spirit of God drives him out into the, the wilderness where he gets formed uh, in yeah. this place where we don't have enough except for God gives us just enough. And the green pastures could look like a, a taste of yeah. nutritious food here and then another bite here yeah, and then another bite here. And just when you think you're going to die of thirst, right. there's a spring. That's so. right. And it's more about the shepherd knowing where those things are. Exactly. Than it is about exactly. plenty. Like you said, I picture it as plentiful. Yeah. What like, does the oh, shepherd have to do? Out, when I'm rolling around the grass next to a big stream, like yeah. I do in Pretty Boy Reservoir. You exactly. know, but, uh, but that is not the case. It's like the shepherds, you count on him out of desperation because he knows where the water is. Right. And He's like, the guy. He's yeah. the only one who knows. Man, it is it is amazing how much that like shapes like the way I read things or the way I see things now, and and yeah, it definitely I love. I love how it impacts the way I've read scripture. And, and again, like you said, I've been reading scripture my whole life. I got yeah. a degree in it. You know, yeah. I feel like I, I felt like I, I kind of got this stuff and it just comes to life in like a very different way. Yeah. I heard somebody describe it as they're like, the land is the fifth gospel. Hmm. And I, I mean, if you're, if you're right, I, I realize that could be touchy for some people, the way that sounds, but right. it's just like, this is, this is an, another lens that huh. brings it to life in the same way that reading Mark alongside right. John, uh, make, right. they kind of reverberate. So that's beautiful. Love that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I asked you how it affects how you read scripture. How does how did going to Israel in any way, if at all, impact your relationship with Jesus? Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think I think you've pointed uh, to part of it, um, that idea of, of God as guide. And uh, I, I think the word for me that it uh, elicits is gratitude. Mm. Like, uh, uh, I'm not going to expect that it's always going to be bounty in alfalfa fields, but I, I can expect that uh, I follow a God who leads his people lovingly into the wilderness, right. guides them through the wilderness, protects them there. Their, their shoes don't wear out. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to make sure that they've got a drink mm. when they need it. Um, and so I, I, I look for God's provision, um, I think, with a with a. A readiness to be grateful, wow, uh, and an expectation um, yeah. that he's going to provide. Mm. So I think that's that's part of it. That's beautiful. I, I remember, um, you know, so we came back. You just you like you're drinking from a fire hose of like information yeah. when you're there with a guy. Yeah. Kind of just like so many things that like I I don't remember. I remember we quieted down a little bit in the Sea of Galilee. I got some like quiet mm-hmm. time and some space. But I just remember like we came back and like two weeks after being back, I was just on my deck just reading through the gospels again. Mm-hmm. And I got to like the crucifixion story and it's like middle of July. I've read this story how many times, you know what I mean? Like, right. and I, I'm just like, I was emotionally overcome alone right. on my deck at like, like 7:30 AM in the morning because it just, I, I, I like walked in those steps. Right. You know, I don't right. know if that makes any sense, but it's just, it's just like, I mean, we, we did the walk from the Mount of Olives down into Jerusalem. Yep. We like walked the, 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 the path of the cross. Like we just, you know, and we did it all kind of in a hurried way at the time. But just there with moments to drink it in, yeah, I felt like it. I felt like I could just experience experience Jesus yeah. like in a different way, yeah. as I kind of like ima- I could imagine him doing this, and I and it, and it somehow made it very personal, like mm-hmm. in a way, and not that it's ever not been personal, but like, I mean, I I, I felt like I was like observing, like almost yeah. like like next to me, like the scene playing out before, yeah. and like feeling like the heart that Jesus was probably having in that moment, and like the the emotions he was going through, and it just, I, I mean, I was just like rocked. I'm like out yeah. on the deck, and I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to, I was at the beginning of my day, I was supposed to go to like a meeting soon, and I, I just like couldn't get it together. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just like crying out there on the back deck, and that doesn't happen to me very often. Like, so, <laughs> I, like, but I, I just felt like it has brought a tenderness maybe yeah. to my relationship with Jesus, yeah. like. Um, 
because it, it just in in all kinds of ways. Like you know, Jesus in Gethsemane is my favorite like way of understanding Jesus because yeah. it's so human and so real. And him wrestling with and still doing it's, it's like that's a God I can kind of like relate yeah. to. And in that moment, I felt like it, it was just more of that. It's more mm-hmm. of like I can really relate to this man who was flesh and blood and had to experience these things and walk yep. through a crowd of Jerusalem while people right. were. It's just unreal. That's yeah. that impacted me in the same way on the when it comes to the crucifixion story, like. The pictures I remember oh, seeing goodness. as a kid, it was like you get this image of like three crosses in the middle of nowhere on right. like a silhouetted hill. But it's outside the city, but yeah. now it's not. Yeah, like where right. it happened is in, fully inside right. the city. And even then it was barely outside yeah, the city. And the, the streets that Jesus had to walk with these beams of a cross. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the streets are different today, but not much different. Right. And crowded. Like this yeah. is a public humiliation. There's no oh. way this is. That it's yeah. not that it avoids the personal that you were talking about. Yeah. It's like in front of people for me. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, there were so many, so many moments like that. that I felt like being at the Sea of Galilee and just being like, yep. Jesus, like walked on this very water. Yeah. Or like being on the steps of the temple where the steps are still there. The temple's gone, yep. but like he he taught, like he, you know, here, like he stood physically here yep. while people gathered around him to hear, and even like being by the pool of Siloam where like somebody yeah. washed his heel. It's like these are like it's just I don't know. It just it, for some reason it was just like. Like you know, it's it's not a movie. It's not a fanciful. It's not Narnia. It's not this far away. It's a real place in the earth where he yep. was human and in flesh, yep. and he did these things with like all the limitations that he placed on himself in his human form. Yep. Like I think that's so yeah. so helpful. Yeah, it's like actually grounded in oh my goodness, history, like a place and a time yeah. and history. This did happen. And right. We're not always talking about like square <laughs> inches. This right. happened right here. But right. But in places like the ones you've named, like yeah. you can be confident. Right. That he was here. He was here. <laughs> yeah. This Which really happened. Wild. Yeah. How many times have you been to Israel now? I think it's I think it's five or six. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, something like that. So I liked it enough. I I uh, took my family this last oh, January. Man. We, Found crazy cheap tickets. Uh, we That's were great. thinking of trying to go like Florida or somewhere warm in January. Right. And we were like, well, these it's just as cheap to fly to Israel this time <laughs> wow. of year. Let's go to Israel. Uh, like with really young kids and probably a little bit ambitious, but it was so much fun. <laughs> Everybody incredible. got a couple of them got horrendously sick, oh. <laughs> uh, but we had a great time. Amazing. What is the role on the trips? You start, you talked a little bit. About it. Have you done the same role on all the subsequent trips that you've done? Yeah. So my my buddy Eric uh, is the um, the main Bible teacher. Okay. Uh, does just a phenomenal job. Uh, he's been there uh, so many times. Loves the text. Knows the uh, the place like the back of his hand. We've got an Israeli guide. I think. Uh, don't quote me on this, but my. Uh, I, my understanding is that each tour uh, has to have yeah. a licensed Israeli guide. I think that's right. And uh, they're great. They, you know, they they're able to chime in on the teaching. There are some aspects, particularly of uh, like modern geopolitical mm-hmm. stuff, which isn't a major aspect of our tours. But right. uh, they just know the nuances of that situation yeah. and can speak to it from their own experiences in yeah. a way uh, that that uh, Eric and I are, are just out of our depth. So my role. Uh, I, I like to think I'm I'm there to help people be safe and comfortable uh, enough that they can really absorb the experience. Hmm. Uh, we don't want people to be comfy the whole time, right? Uh, certainly, right. but I have kind of this pastoral role. Yeah, um, we shepherd we do, from behind. Exactly, kind of, yeah. we do a ton yeah. of hiking on uh, on these trips, which is something sort of distinctive about Eric's. And like we had a one two week trip, and somebody had a pedometer, and I think we, we clocked like 114, 115 miles wow. in the, the eleven days or something. Wow. So. People are, you know, putting some wear on their 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 sandals. Yeah. Uh, and I'm usually at the back, carrying extra water, kind of doing some running commentary for people who right. might not be going as quickly, uh, carrying first aid, mm. 
taken photos for the group. Um, and then I'll teach in some sites to give uh, give Eric a break. But he, awesome. he does um, the lion's share of it. Yeah. yeah. Man, that is incredible. That's what keeps you what keeps you going back? Like, you know, like, cause I know a lot of people, once they've been, I, I would imagine once they go to Israel, well, I've seen that, done that, put the next one on my bucket list. Why you keep going back to the same place in a lot of ways. What keeps you going on those trips? Yeah, I think, um, a, a number of things like I'm, I'm learning stuff each time I go. And it's yeah. not, it's not just that, um, I'm a slow learner. I, I think I, I absorb a lot of the lessons that we do, but we go to different places right. each time. Mm. Like there's always more that you want to do than you can in of the time course. you've got. And you adjust the schedule, but depending on traffic and, and right. any kind of geopolitical activity. Uh, so there's always new sites to visit, mm. new lessons to teach, new places to explore. Um, but, but man, part of the grat- uh, gratification is, is seeing people really change. Mm. Uh, and this last trip we did was, was with a, a bunch of, um, it was a Sunday school class from Atlanta, uh, adults who had been in a, a, an adult Sunday school class for like 30 years together. Yeah. So they had some real life experience under their belt. They loved each other. Mm. And months afterwards, a bunch of them uh, got in touch and were like, this was genuinely life changing. Right. Like, My life isn't the same. Wow. We don't relate to people the same. We don't right. read the scripture the same. And I'm like, well, I can sign up for that again. Yeah, right. So, yeah. You know, it's incredible. The tour I went on, we was out of Egypt tour. So we actually started in Egypt yeah. for four or five days and then went into Jordan for four or five days. And then we were in Israel, for four, which was incredible. So, like, you know, the end of it, we focused very much on the life of Jesus and a lot of those things. But, like, the first eight days of it really focused more on Moses. Right. You know, right. like, and, uh, and it was interesting because, you know, the things that just surprised you that I never thought would have been, like, a powerful moment. But when you're living the life of Moses yeah. and drinking in Egypt history and drinking yeah. in, like, life, life in the wilderness was like and how difficult this must have been and all the things that he labored through and overcame and power. And then we stood on Mount Nebo right before we went yep. – the night before we went into Israel, <laughs> we ended on Mount Nebo and we looked oh, awesome. into the promised land. Wow. You know, and we had been wanting to go to Israel for eight days and <laughs> right. it felt like it forever. Like, we're going to go to Israel. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys wandered for 40, 40 years, years. in the desert. <laughs> Like, when are we going to go to the promised land? And for him to have not been able to go himself in, like, yep. that's where he died, right there on Mount Nebo. And, like, looking into the promised land as close as he ever got, like, the the realness of that moment of, like, yep. battling all your life for something and never quite getting to see it to completion. I mean, people were, like, a wreck on our trip, yep. just, like, really, like, in that place with Moses and, like, that heart place, that wow. posture wow. of, like, both trust in God's plan, but also, like, the disappointment yeah. of not getting to experience and how much of our lives are, like, this juxtaposition of trust and disappointment and, like, trying to figure out how to navigate that. Yep. But it was just a surprisingly powerful moment that I did not anticipate coming. Wow. You know, because we didn't he didn't even tell us we were going to Mount Nebo the night before we went in. It was just, like, it kind of took us all by surprise oh that's so, cool yeah yeah i think i mean like like as a bible teacher uh one of the th- reasons i love it is because the teaching is easier because you've got uh the assistance of experience like yeah. you're talking about right. um, the, relating to to moses longing to go into the promised land i think about like we, we take people on in the june trips we've had somewhere we hiking mount timna and it was like a 114 degrees out oh, and people are roasting yeah and you know they start to run out loud of their gatorade a little bit and uh-huh. we got a little extra water and we got a hike to go to get to the bus and people are like i'm i'm pretty done with this and you're <laughs> yeah, like right. okay this is like day day two <laughs> right and, how many and hours you're, in? <laughs> you're ready to tap out and like you got 40 years 40 yeah. years to go and yeah uh, i mean wow. you can't I can't conjure, I can't mm. create that experience, experiential learning for somebody yeah. on a Sunday morning in Baltimore. Yeah. I can do my best to create word pictures and, the, you know, but man, the gift of having mm. people in situ and being able to kind of 
call on what they're physically feeling yeah uh, is, is so potent yeah, yeah. oh it's unreal our, our guide <coughs> wandered us in the wilderness for quite a while on the way back home from sinai and there was a point that i was like i think he's gonna stay keep us out here until we audibly grumble <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> I, I think this is gonna be a very <laughs> object lesson i don't i don't think he's, he's taking us to where we're going right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the grumbling comes like five hours in. I can't yeah, imagine like right. 40 years of that. Unbelievable. And you know, yeah. at least on my trips, we don't we don't talk about the idea of pilgrimage. I think that language right. uh, for many legitimate reasons has sort of fallen out of favor. But mm. the idea of this like totally immersive experience, because uh, I mean, you're probably like studying and touring yeah. 12, 14 hours a day. Right. Totally immersive experience for a, a long duration that's uh, with a, a, a goal of drawing closer to God right. um, that requires some fairly substantial physical exertion mm. in community with moments of solitude. Like, right. we don't do much of no. that in Christianity in 2020. Uh, no, no. And you get a little glimpse of that on these trips where you're humping it up mountains, you're <laughs> yeah. in the Bible for 12 hours a day. Like, wh- when else is that happening? Seriously. And, man, that that can have an effect on us that that yep. does something it changes changes us i totally agree what are some of your favorite places and why now that you've been a bunch of times <laughs> um man i love i love in getty mm. love in getty uh you tell know, people what in getty is yeah so in getty's um for anybody who's been to the grand canyon and been down to phantom ranch at the bottom you know it's this dry landscape and then this incredible like spring oasis at the bottom uh, and getty's a little bit like that you're in this dry dry landscape and then there's just this rift in the cliffs mm. and you get down in there and you can hear water running and and the way we do it is usually we hike up this back way so people are hot and thirsty huh. and you start to hear water and you start to feel this cool breeze and you come around a corner and there's just this like 60 foot cascade or something yeah, and all yeah. this greenery and and there's animals where you huh. you don't see many animals in the desert and right there's just like hyraxes and ibexes and like all of these animals are packed into the spot because because <laughs> there's water and life there wow uh, yeah i talked about the the living water already but um so that that place enters the biblical narrative in in like that's where david mm. hides out when yeah. saul's chasing him um but also like in that picture uh, in ezekiel of the the god's presence among us that mm. which he pictures as a, a a river flowing out from the temple huh. and it's like he, he says this this river flows on and it flows into the salt sea which is the, what we huh. call the dead sea yeah uh, the, the israelis call it the yam hamelech the, the salt sea and it, you float in it right yeah. it's like crazy, it's crazy. salty yeah <laughs> uh, and and getty flows out into it wow. and and the, this prophecy is like this water that god gives us is so fresh so potent mm. in its freshness that it's yeah. going to make the salt sea fresh wow. you're like no actually chemically that, that right. doesn't happen <laughs> uh, and it's it's, it's going to put life in the salt sea except for parts that need to stay salty because god wants it so it's just right. this beautiful wow. picture of the transforming power of god so i love awesome. in getty love yeah. galilee like yeah. you do um, yeah galilee i mean like jerusalem is just unbelievable because it yeah. kind of brings things to life in such a real way but it's so crowded and for, and on our tour, it was such a race. Like we only had like two days, yeah. and that he really wanted to cover a ton of things. But 
Galilee, we like I could sit out there in the evening and look over the Sea of Galilee and like and wake up early in the morning and walk along and it was just something like my heart stilled and quieted and like yeah. there's just like, I don't know I, what yeah. it's like there's this yeah. just peace there. oh my so gosh peaceful. unbelievable and you can just picture like Jesus yep. there I mean like it's just it's when it says that he went up into a nearby hillside like you see yep. all the hillsides right around and when it says yeah. that they watched across and saw where he sailed to and then they walked on foot to get there yep. it's like you can see how they would do that because it's yep. possible to to see the other side so clearly from where you're standing it's just it's just very wild like to like experience that so that, that for me was one of my favorites man yeah i love i love galilee and i love seeing my my kids splashing oh out my fat, fresh water which is so wow so refreshing one i remember one morning there uh i hope this isn't giving away too much i won't give away too many uh, <laughs> trip uh secrets but on, on one uh eric was teaching on uh the end of john's gospel the, the reinstatement of peter there mm. and uh, and I that morning didn't go with the group. Um, I went. I took a couple of fish, tilapia, mm-hmm. St. Peter's fish there from from the Sea of Galilee. Went around a corner and started this little fire on the beach wow. there, and started grilling these uh, fish just on the slabs of rock there on this wow. fire. And he led the group after this lesson, led the group around the corner, and there was just like this fish breakfast for them <laughs> cooking on the on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, wow. right like where Jesus had. Uh, reinstated Peter and people are like you know that they haven't forgotten that that's amazing <laughs> wow that's that's a beautiful picture that's awesome are there any places that you haven't been yet that you really would like to go like I know you've been there a bunch of times now yeah oh man there are always places uh, that I'd, I'd love to go um, I mean there are little uh, there are little sites uh, like it's called Harrod Spring which mm. is where um Get the Gideon story, the lapping, uh, wow. um, the sort of sorting of Gideon's army, the paring down of Gideon's army happens. Uh, I haven't been there yet. I'd love to be there. I mean, the, the Negev uh, desert, I've, I've been down into it some, uh, but like that's two thirds of the, the land right. mass of Israel, I think. And there's just so much of it to explore there. And wow. it's, um, and you get the sense of vastness and wandering. Wow. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That, absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You you hinted at like um, I remember any like parables or moments that kind of struck you. This wasn't one of the questions I sent you, but like I mean like that came to life when just because you could see it differently. I remember you telling me about like uh, the move from one mountain to the other and seeing that picture, standing near like Herod's palace and watching the two mountains. He had literally moved rocks from one to the other to build himself a palace to show how great he was. And that the idea that that there's a phrase at the time that Herod is so great that he can move mountains. And then Jesus tells a story that's pointed directly with that in the backdrop. Yeah, man, that's staggering. And and that's um, like that's something you don't see so much. You, you see Herod just kind of right cropping up one, a couple of times in the text. But you mm-hmm. go to you travel Israel yeah. and you're like, there's no way this guy did not shape oh, Jesus life. Absolutely. And yet he's this massive, massive figure, great builder. And yet the way we meet him in the Bible is he's afraid of this baby Jesus. Right. And you're like, what, yeah. what is going yeah. on there in the authority of this infant that yeah. the guy who builds like a seaport that we still can't figure out how we built it. Yeah. And these pools hanging over the cliffs of Masada. Like, how is this guy afraid of the authority of this infant? Wow. Um, so yeah, seeing, seeing stuff like that, that's not in the biblical narrative, yeah. the, the buildings of Herod, um, Herodium, yeah. the, the, the mountain that he constructed. Yeah. Uh, I never would have imagined how much we learned about Herod, but you're right. Like you realize how pivotal it is that so much of what Jesus is shaping is the worldview of people who've been shaped by Rome. Just like yeah. we are saturated in American culture. Yeah. Like Herod was a saturating presence to that time. And 
I mean, one of the coolest things that we got to experience was in Jordan. We got to it was I, I'm going to mess up which son it was um, one of Herod's sons yeah. um, who, you know, like, who was the one who probably had uh, it was his fortress where he probably had John the Baptist oh, right, held. Right, right. And so like and we're sitting in this room and like this little room yep. in the cave that's carved out and there's like areas in the in the wall yep. that could have been used for chains. Like this literally could have been the room yep. that John the Baptist was like chained in and like and just how his mess his messengers came to him yep. there to like and then he sent a message to Jesus and you're thinking these guys went like through the desert, like yeah, all yeah. this way, just to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we wait for another? Like, this is desperation. This isn't like, hey, I sent Jesus a text because I'm kind of curious. It's yeah. like he is in desperation saying, are you going to fulfill the kingdom or not? I'm in prison. There's like nowhere to go. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a very like powerful moment for me to realize that how desperately he was feeling that he sent a message and Jesus' response would have been both like frustrating and peace giving at the same time, maybe. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, the <laughs> things like that you just you're not going to pick, pick right. up on unless you're there or unless you've got a buddy like you who's been there to, to kind of unpack it for yeah. you. So, I mean, that's something we always tell uh, guests who come on these tours. Like you're you're getting to do something a lot of people don't. Yeah, uh, you're an investment. Like take this home. Oh my gosh. People have probably been praying for you while you've right. been here. Maybe your grandma or your parents right. helped fund this for you. Whatever. Yeah. Like go home and share some of what you've learned because not everybody's gonna gonna have that experience and. Yeah, really, really powerful stuff. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, any other final Bible stories you want to share about that shaped because you were there, or man, final Bible stories. <laughs> um, I think you know the uh, you don't know when, like when you're up in Galilee, it talks about uh, Jesus going away to a quiet place, yeah. and uh, mm. I won't even say the name of, it, but there's a, there's a mountain there that you've climbed and I've climbed. Yeah, that, uh, is one of the prominent mountains in that area. Uh, it's a legit hike. <laughs> yeah, it's a legit hike, and um, and it just says Jesus goes away to a solitary place, goes up on a mountain into the wilderness to be alone and and to pray with the Father, and I. And I remember praying while I'm climbing up this yeah. pretty arduous hike and, and thinking there's something about the physical exertion of climbing this that helps to focus my mind and, and realize, you know, mm. whatever is going in my heart, on in my heart is mirroring this. Like there's an exertion yeah. of pointing my heart towards God in prayer mm. and of uh, attending to him. Like what's that? Mary Oliver quote like attention is the beginning of devotion mm. like I've got to focus on where I'm putting my hands and my feet so I don't <laughs> fall off this thing right. and in the same way I've got to attend to God and that's, mm. that's the beginning of being devoted to him wow. and I'm pouring myself into this in the same way that I'm pouring myself into climbing up this mountain and because you know that kind of combats the kind of cavalier right oh yeah I prayed I right. prayed I prayed well did did I? Well, I was just firing words off that <laughs> right. really cost me yeah, nothing. Right, had no, yeah. had did nothing to, uh, to to focus my soul. So, hmm. um, yeah, those sort of experiences of, of being in the land, yeah, they shape the way I, <sighs> I I relate to God today. That's great. You know, I one of the one of the stories that's always kind of rocked me. I said Gethsemane. This is very similar. Is like where he weeps over Jerusalem as he kind of yeah. enters in. And you know, there's the path that he did. You don't know yep. where it happened. They have a landmark where they believe. You know, but somewhere along this path, it's incredible how clearly you can see the city yep. from this spot. Yep. And to think about Jesus is like looking down on these people that he's about to give his life for, yep. and he's just overcome with emotion by like. I mean, like it's just I don't know. It's just wild. Like you're like I'm seeing this, and it's it's breathtaking. I don't have any kind of view like this over Towson. I can't stand this point mm-hmm. and look down on it. But not only does he see down on it, but he knows like the hearts and the minds of the people, yeah. and it just brought him to like how desperately he longs for the, to like bring them 
to his father and like he knows what that affection for them is going to cost him yeah absolutely it just i mean it just made it it just makes it come to life in such a real and powerful way um now this has been great like um just for if someone was considering going to Israel, are there any specific trips that you would recommend? This is a question I came to you with about two years ago. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, a caveat: I don't know the the full lay of uh, the lands there. I think we're in a, a good moment for Israel tours. Right. Um, they're they're more happening now than than ever before hmm. in, in recent history. Um, they're relatively affordable with the the dollar being strong internationally. Hmm. Uh, it's fairly uh, safe and and. Almost all your tours are getting like real-time updates on the ground there. They're not going to take you uh, blithely into harm's way, so it's it's safe to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I tell my mother-in-law, it's it's safer there than where I live. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a it's a it's a good good time to go do mm. it. Uh, there are a ton of different tours. Like there are some right. that are going to go to like most of the spots where major th- events occurred uh, in Jesus' life. Uh, where we think they occur, there's a there's a church built on them, right. so you can go to tours that are going to go to each one of those spots, and then that are going to spend a lot of time in um, in gift shops. Uh, and if that's your jam, man, yeah. there are a ton that are like that, and more power to you. And and uh, but what I the the tours that I gravitate towards, and these ones that my buddy Eric leads that I help with, um, we we almost avoid spots like that, yeah. except in Jerusalem where you can't get around it. And we just we spend a ton of time walking because yeah. we, I know that like the dust that these people are getting on their faces and the the feel of olive branches against their skin like that's going to teach them as much as yeah. thirty minutes of some of us talking absolutely at, right. Um, uh, so we we walk people sometimes longer distances than we need to because right. th- they're absorbing the learning through their feet. So I'd say if like if you've got the gift of physical ability to do that now mm-hmm. I think you're going to learn more and remember more and pick up on things that you couldn't read in a book if 100% you go on, a, yeah. go on a trip that's going to walk you some and take you to be away from the tourist spots yeah there is just something about just being in the experience long enough to start to feel what it's like to live there and to experience yeah. life there it's just to know what a day in the life of Jesus might have felt like walking with like in that kind of heat and that kind of dust and that kind of uh yeah, experience. I mean, it's it's immersive is the yeah, word that absolutely. comes to mind. Cause yeah. I remember even like when we would get on the bus and start talking, like the Israeli guide would talk a bit about the current geopolitical climate. And even that felt like, oh, like this yeah. wrenching, jarring moment where we came out of the, the biblical time and culture to talk about the present for right. a moment. And, you know, that's far from jumping back on Instagram or something. Right. Uh, it's just so immersive you're talking you're getting saturated in this narrative in the place where it happened Mm -hmm. and most of us just don't create this space for that to happen unless you've got a significant coin on the table for it and are are, you know booked into a trip that's awesome and and I know like Under the Fig Tree Ministries you recommended to me what what does Eric go with Under the Fig Tree Eric Eric has his own uh, company or or ministry called the Acacia Project. Oh yeah, uh, so great. I think great. both uh, the Acacia Project and Under the Fig Tree use something called GTI. Yep, f- uh, that's right for their logistics. Yep, GTI is based in Holland, Michigan. And GTI runs a ton of tours with different uh, guides, mm. um, and and Eric's one of them. He has his own ministry called the Acacia Project. That's he does awesome. A great job. That's awesome, man. Well, before you go, tell us how we can learn more about St. Mo's if somebody oh, wanted to man. check out your church. Yeah, we should, we'd love we'd love to see it. St. Mo's, um, you can go to the website, St. Mo's, that's S-A-I-N-T-M-O-S dot org. Uh, we're located at 400 East 31st Street uh, in Baltimore. Um, 
and we like to say that uh, we're sharing the, the hope of Christ in the heart of Baltimore. Uh, we're a non-denominational church. Mm. Uh, we, we say we're, we, we're standing in the deep center current of historic Christianity. We're trying to keep the main thing, the main thing mm. in a day when uh, it's easy to be really divided about stuff. We're uh, deliberately um, multi-ethnic, aspiringly multicultural. Um, we want to serve and love our city well and uh, and proclaim the gospel in a way that's that's uh, credible and winsome. That's awesome. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. We definitely want to have you on again. I have so many topics I'd love to discuss with you. Oh, this has been so fun. Thanks, yeah. Thanks <laughs> well, Ryan. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Horizon Church, you can check out our website at horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have an opportunity to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the Horizon.